So the five hindrances, sensual desire, uh, aversion, that lazy drowsiness, sloth, sloth, uh, restless agitation, and doubt. Mm. So how to overcome those things, mm. how to... Well, I think the, the first point to make is to clear up what those hindrances are not. Because I think the, the, the contemporary sort of Buddhist meditators take on the hindrances, it's actually quite, it's actually quite mistaken. Most people would have a notion that, you know, hindrances are these things that sort of uh, arise occasionally in me. And, uh, oh, and my mind is fully kind of focused on the last or aversion, that's the hindrance of last or aversion. It's not, that's the result of the hindrance of last aversion and so on. Hindrances in themselves are pretty much on the, on the, like, on the level of, of your currently enduring existence as a whole, so as a basis for your world, it's a hindrance. So only in jhana, mind is free from hindrances. Only when, when the, when the uh, samadhi has been developed to the extent of jhana, mind has overcome hindrances. Everything else, even your day-to-day -day life, even if you're not necessarily gripped by lust, aversion or doubt, you are within the domain of the hindrances. So they're, they're, they're on the level pretty much um, of, of your existential situation and by that I mean at any given time you are either lustful or liable to lust you're either irritable or liable to irritation you're either uh, lazy distracted or liable to those things to manifest uh, same goes with the um, agitation and worry or liable to agitation and worry and doubtful or liable to doubt Mm -hmm. So in other words, it's not that there's like these five hindrances, one, two, three, four, five. Fundamentally, you're within the domain of the five as one thing. In the same sense, you have the five aggregates, and then on account of the five aggregates, you have to discern, single out one of them at a time, if, you, if that's what you discern and, and, and focus your attention on. Well, the hindrances is the same principle. It's the five hindrances is your basis. The basis of an unenlightened, undeveloped mind is the domain of the five hindrances. And then they are exemplified and manifested through one of them at a time or the liability of one of them through the time. That's why surmounting the hindrances equals surmounting the world in the first jhana. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's surmounting the entire existential situation whereby now you are... Um, be drawn now you're safe not just from lust but from liability to the future lust that has also been abandoned and same goes for hate and all the other hindrances so the reason why this is important is because for as long as people think hindrances are these things then come and go all you need to really do to deal with them is just manage the state while it's there but if you actually start understanding that no, hindrances are on the level of my situation already as it is even if I don't discern any specific hindrance that's already within the hindrance that will now force you to broaden the context more and more and more and more until you reach that supreme shore of safety from hindrances that's in the first jhana not because these things don't arise 
like the Buddha doesn't say, um, abandoning the five hindrances, surmounting the joys and griefs in regard to the world. He doesn't say joys and griefs doesn't arise in regard to the world. No, it means you surmount it. it means it's there. The domain of joys and griefs and five hindrances is there, but you have surmounted it. Not like, oh, I have no, no, no issues, no hindrances arising for me, thus I'm entering the jhana. No, that's well within the domain of the hindrances. So the five is really the one, the one gateway, as we always speak, through which these five different examples of it, exemplifications, would then come and become more particularized. And when, when the suttas talk about, you know, the temporary liberation from the hindrances, yeah, there are many different ways you can understand what temporary means, as in like, oh, this moment I'm hindrance, this moment I'm not hindrance, thus I'm temporarily free from hindrance. Or you can also understand it as you can surmount the domain of the hindrance, of the five hindrances, regardless of which one is there for you the most. But you surmount the gateway of the five, and you have surpassed them, you are free from them. But... If you become negligent, if you don't cultivate and protect that gateway, you will fall back into the domain of the hindrances. So you lost your temporary liberation, or your liberation was indeed temporary. So the gateway. Well, the gateway, the five, yeah. So that, that's, you, you have to start thinking on the level of that gate, the, the peripheral context. Oh, the gateway of the five is why I get lust here, anger there, doubt yesterday, fear tomorrow. Not because those things are the actual hindrances. They're just examples of that domain that you live in. And that's often, like you would surmount domain, one way would be to, to reflect. Is there, a, as the Buddha would say, is there a reason lust in me? Can the non-arisen lust arise? So not just, oh, what's, what's here right now, but what is not here right now that could be right here right now. Lust, anger. So that liability you start to include as a hindrance already. Because I might not have any sensual desire now, but am I liable? Yes, means hindrance of sensuality is there. It's a foolish thing to think that, oh, because it's not here right now, when I focus, I don't see any last, I'm free from it. Are you liable? Yes, means the hindrance is there. Liability is part of the hindrance. Oh, I don't know. Well, so yeah. is the hindrance of doubt and lack of clarity there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if, I, if I'm liable to lust. Am I? Am I not? Hmm. But I'm liable to doubt. Yeah. I don't know. Well, if you don't know you're liable to lust, means you are. Yeah. Because the only that time too. to not be liable to lust is to be clear about liability There's to lust that you have abandoned. Yeah. But if you're liable to one hmm. of those hindrances, well, you, that then you're in the domain. Exactly. One hindrance means the, f the basis of the five is there. That's why it's always the five hindrances when the Buddha speaks about. The five Nivaranas, not three and a half or two. It's always the five. And these are the five ways those, the five would show itself to you, so to speak, and would harass you and overwhelm you. And that's why often, like, the Arahant's liberation, the Arahant's development of mindfulness often goes hand in hand. He's, he's the one who destroyed the hindrance, surmounted of the hindrances, of the five. So the level of surmounting of the hindrances is the level of surmounting of the world, which is the basis for Arahantship. So if you start thinking of them, instead of these individual things that occasionally come your way, but start seeing them as, as basically your world is within the five hindrances. Your sense restraint is within the five hindrances. Your Dhamma practice is within the five hindrances. Only time to not be within the five hindrances is in the first jhana. That's why the one who has surmounted hindrances then dwells and abides, abides in that uh, vivek and that seclusion from unwholesome states. 
and with, with the said by the he walks sits down eats whatever goes to the toilet everything is divine everything is safe because he's withdrawn from it so the first step to withdraw yourself from it is to see them for what they are not to think just managing occasional like irritation or doubt a little bit of doubt is i'm dealing with the hindrances you need to see it on the level of the context that you're already within that liability to them means they're there otherwise you wouldn't be liable to them you start thinking like that then you can get to like well eventually depending on you know how much effort you put in how much clarity you develop but you get to see that you are responsible you're not responsible for hindrances arising but you're responsible for them hindering you you are the one that basically takes them up ignorantly one way or the other but it's not on the level of the choice as I say often it's not like you choose to take and now you just have to choose to not take it it's more like sometimes you choose to do something that then results in you being unable to not take them so if you stop thinking of them individually but see them as one then doesn't matter what hindrance is there your attitude towards the, the any hindrance that's where you start looking for not like oh, in lust I can't treat with the suba in anger I can't treat with metta I'm just managing these spontaneous little states that have arisen for me no it doesn't matter whether it's lust aversion delusion um, distraction fear worry unwholesome state is present what is your mental attitude in regard to that so in a way you could practice freedom from hindrances by practicing the discernment of liability to the unwholesome of any kind don't matter if it's five or more whatever because that's what they all have in common by the way so why are you then liable to unwholesome states why can't you just not be pressured by unwholesome states well the answer is quite simple because some of the unwholesome states you don't see as unwholesome and you willingly entertain them delight in them welcome them act out of them the gateway we spoke about you know that's the gate but sometimes you willingly turn a blind eye to the gateway to the extent you're able to ignore the gateway to that extent the hindrances will still find a way in and what is the chief hindrance on account of which people then let all the other four in so to speak it's sensuality not seeing the danger in sensuality means not seeing the danger in the basis of five hindrances and because of that when the worry when the hindrance that you don't want comes you will not be able to, re to remain surmounting it you will be involved because your practice up to that point was involvement with the hindrances by choice through welcoming sensuality in your thoughts delighting it in your thoughts and above all not seeing the danger the peril of it and that's by the way where the, where the crux of that recognition also is the danger the danger in sensuality is not that later on you know things will not work out or it will be too much to manage thus sensuality is not really good the danger of even before you engage in sensuality the danger of not seeing the danger in sensuality is the danger of implicit thought waiting to come with the, with the with the fifth sensuality so through willingly delighting in sensuality you're willingly accepting anxiety worry fear threat sluggishness lack of energy depression everything else that comes through the hindrances your way and if you recognize that oh the danger becomes apparent that's the immediate danger in the prospect of sensuality we're not talking about the results of sensuality are dangerous 
before you engage with sensuality, sensuality is dangerous, which is if a monk understands that, or a person understands that, they will not want the sensuality. And that's the simile of the burning embers in the pit. Not knowing the danger of it, you enjoy burning yourself with it. The moment you understand the danger, then your mind will be turning everywhere else except to that pit. It doesn't, that's the only place it doesn't want to be in. So seeing the connection between welcoming sensuality and the implicit weight of the danger that's hidden in that welcoming of all the five that can overwhelm your mind to the point of madness, you realize, oh, no amount of sensuality is worth accepting the risk. So the danger becomes apparent. And that's the similar, like, you know, keeping your head on the chopping block would be basically sensuality. Because it's comfortable. You know, props your neck in the right, right angle, it relaxes your muscle, it's great. It's very, very agreeable. But it implies a waiting axe to drop. It's a chopping block. <coughs> and the, 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 the axe and the peril that will come with it is basically the other four that are inseparable from the chopping block. That's why, again, people don't see a connection between the perils that they are exposed and that they can see and the entrance for those perils through their acceptance of sensuality. Because if they do, as they, again, as they would have said, the danger will become apparent. So the only reason they don't see that and they keep engaging with sexuality is because there is no apparent danger. And that's why the first jhana, often the simile of the pleasure of the jhana, it's just always described in terms of relief from the danger. Like crossing the desert, you don't know if you survive, then you come out, then you survive. Being released from the jail, come back alive, you're home even better. Paying the debt back, and now you're safe. It's always the sense of safety. So the sense of safety is not... Not having anybody knocking on your door, threatening to you, or experiencing worry, or the sense of safety is not welcoming sensuality, through which no liability of other hindrances can apply to you. And above, like the reason why this is so, so great and wholesome is because you realize it's entirely up to you. Welcoming sensuality or not, it, it doesn't depend on the circumstances. Like, oh, you know, I'm not lucky, it's just these things coming my way, I can't say no. You can always say no to welcoming sensuality on the level of your thoughts. You have thoughts of sensuality, but what is your attitude? Oh, this is agreeable, friendly, uh, dear to me, not dangerous, entertaining. Or this is the entrance for basically the eons of samsara and suffering that comes with it. Welcoming of sensuality. So that's what I mean. Practically speaking, always... The other four hindrances will torment you. There's only so much you can control in terms of your circumstances and avoid. Sooner or later, things will come up internally. Worry, anxiety, depression, whatever else. All of that is because you do not see the peril of the sensuality. You don't see the danger of the... You don't see bait as a bait. See, sensuality comes up, you don't recognize the bait of it. But you don't see the hook inside of it. Yes. And that's what the hook is. There's no like, oh yes... You know, like on the level of uh, psychologization, yeah, yeah, sensuality. Every time I engage with it, you know, it's not really. Afterwards, you don't feel that great, so it's better. That's that's fine, but it's on the level of psychology. That will not uproot things. That will just, you know, convince you maybe to restrain a bit more. But for uprooting of sensuality, uprooting of the gateway of the other four hindrances, for uprooting of the domain of the five, you need to see the apparent, inherent, implicit peril waiting before you even engage not in after you engage and that's why always sensuality was compared to like a bait different types of bait 
poisonous drink that you don't know it's poisonous uh, the hunter sets up the bait for the deer the eats gets gets trapped because he didn't see the bait that's on the level of the thoughts when you have thoughts of sensuality you need to start seeing them as bait and that's how then you will become unable to welcome it you can't just choose to not welcome sensuality that's impossible but if you contemplate the danger in it as the Buddha would say then you realize your welcoming will start to fade because the only reason you used to welcome it because you never saw what it implies right there and then not later and that's why the danger becomes apparent you understand the extent of gratification and then you understand the extent of escape you know exactly oh if I keep contemplating the danger the gratification which is my welcoming and delighting in the prospect of it will fade and that will be the thorough escape from this so the abandoning of the hindrances is done through you basically uh, preventing yourself from welcoming certain aspects of those hindrances because of which you are then subjected to all of them the effort you make in, in, in protecting them one guard uh, doorway you realize oh now you're free from all of it and that relief is your energy now your alertness everything comes out of it as opposed to I'm so tired today I can't even think straight because I'm overwhelmed by the fatigue I'm overwhelmed by the worry all of that overwhelms you burdens you hinders you uh, narrows down your context your peripheral well it doesn't matter how much you practice it because why because you're still liable to it why because you're still not seeing the peril of central thoughts and don't confuse seeing the peril of central thoughts with not having central thoughts that's not the same thing you're gonna have central thoughts or other thoughts towards sensuality and that's where you see the peril but it doesn't mean you have no thoughts of sensuality arising anymore and the significance of central joy has disappeared no that stays that's why you surmount it not you prevent it from arising then if you have surmounted it for a long period of time it will eventually even stop arising on its own not because you stopped it so again this uh, delighting in sensuality or uh, valuing pleasure well sense pleasures. not seeing the danger in it implies already value of of the pleasant experience that this yeah. offers so you oh, right. so when you get anger and, and getting angry mm. you know if you get angry because mm. you're irritated mm. it's a painful situation mm. and that prospect of getting angry getting rid of the displeasure is also your delight because you, you value, value that, the yeah. pleasure that yeah. comes from it even if people don't want to get angry, even if they say, oh, I don't, anger is bad, I don't want to get angry, mm. you will get angry because mentally your mind will accept the offer of anger as a hindrance because your mind has been accepting the offer of centrality. And same, when the doubt arises, you will be unable to remain unmoved in the face of doubt. doesn't matter how much you would wish to be unmoved, <coughs> your mind will be gripped by the doubt because that's, that's your mode of being. You've been taking up the hindrances. By taking up one, you're taking up the five. But like, uh, also, as, as you can see, in each hindrance, there's this value of pleasure. Exactly. You know, That's what I mean. Like, instead of dealing with this hindrance or this, this is start seeing what's in common to any right. hindrance. The unwholesomeness of it, the implicit value of, of getting rid of the discomfort. So that's another reason why you, you get pressured into taking it. Well, you get pressured and then you choose to accept the pressure and then you take it. Mm. Keep but yes, the pressure of sensuality is unpleasant. 
that's why you take it because not just you free yourself from that displeasure first but on top of it you get more pleasure through the sense object yeah. you know you are hungry and you want to eat the mangoes and that's the simile of the deer herd that I often go the deer are factually hungry they need to eat but the difference is whether you learn how to eat everything but the bait or whether you see no difference and then either eat everything or try to not eat anything and either way of those those um, examples that the Buddha gave those deer herd were caught by the deer by the deer hunter so I was going to say you, you don't have to worry about the four hindrances mm. just worry mm. about the one that is always the gateway for all the other four which is sensuality doesn't matter I'm an angry type I'm a slow type I'm a sluggish type all of that means you're a sensual type you're the type that delights you're like the you, type that cultivates delight in the manner that then allows all these other hindrances to proliferate expand and, and, and so on And that delighting in pleasure means that you're going to be not delighting in pain, which means you're going to be going for pleasure, and so and yeah. it's like a so you get entangled loop. even more and more. Yeah. yeah, you start seeing the danger in delighting in the prospect of pleasure. That in itself is not painful. That's a neutral, neutral thing. You know, getting pleasure, not getting pleasure, is the level of pain. Seeing the danger before you engage with pleasure, it's not painful it's eye-opening <laughs> but you need to work your way to that level to see there because for as long as you think the hindrances are the objects of your attention oh I got this sensuality now I got this ill will now you're not it's nowhere near where they're rooted so you're not going to be dealing with anything you're just managing and covering it up so that's what I mean existentially you're always within the hindrances Sensory strain prevents you from proliferating further, but your mind is still within them. So don't think you're safe because there's no sensuality arising. If you think you are safe, you ask yourself, well, can the non-arisen sensuality arise? Do I see a connection? Do I see how that will not affect me even if it happens? I have no idea. So you have no idea how to escape the five hindrances. And yet here you are practicing meditation for your jhanas. Yet the jhanas are once you surmount the hindrances. He surmounts the hindrances, the, uh, the the joys and griefs in regard to the world, anything basically that might narrow your context, then abides in that, then the pleasure of seclusion of that is what the jhana comes out of. But as I say, often people think, give me a technique, I'll enter a special experience that I will call jhana, I will believe it's a jhana, and then these hindrances will stop arising for me, and joys and griefs of the world will not come my way. <laughs> It's other way around. You yeah. surmount the five hindrances, you overcome joys and griefs, so that's the work. And then the safety you get is the pleasure of the jhana, and then you just need to maintain and protect. So you see why people would like meditation technique, meditation experience, everything else falls off, because they implicitly know that's where the work is. Mm -hmm. So if I get the jhana, my work is done for me, as opposed to I do the work which is far more unpleasant. Mm. 
And for as long as you cultivate that kind of view, you will go get nowhere in your practice. Doesn't matter what special experiences you have.